Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. When we start believing that sex is just about power, you can use it as a tool to put power over someone or to make someone powerless. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, everyone. How are we doing today? On this episode of the Project Loving Myself podcast, I have invited Dr. Rika Cruz, licensed psychologist, sex and relationships therapist, and a broadcaster, to talk to us about, well, sex. By sex, I mean sexual energy, sexual expression, and how sex and mental health are actually connected. And if she wants to give us tips on how to increase our sexonometer, then that's welcome too. Dr. Rika's expertise, however, is focused on Filipino sexual behaviors and sexual pleasure, while her practice revolves around individuals and couples with sexual and relationship marital issues. Personally, I think our attitudes towards sex have a lot to do with our self-esteem, with self-confidence, and therefore self-love. Loving yourself completely is about embracing yourself as a sexual being and becoming comfortable with your own sexual expression. However, this is one area that many women are still not as comfortable talking about, nor do they feel very safe about expressing themselves in this way. This is why I can't wait to see what Dr. Rika has to say about all of this. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rika. Sure, let's get it on. (laughs) All right. So Dr. Rika, I'm so interested in having you talk about sex on this show. Now tell me something. Why do you think women have such a hard time asking for what they want in bed or even talking about sex with their partners? I mean, this is something that I'm talking about from personal experience. I know it was difficult for me to express what I wanted. And also I follow a lot of different chat groups and communities and this is a hot topic. You know, a lot of people do not ask for what they want. They don't tell their partners what they like. And it's an awkward conversation. Do you think it's the fact that most of us have grown up having these specific ideas about 
what is right or wrong in sex or, you know, whether if we are seen as sexual women, it makes us in any way a little, a little wrong or bad or something like that. Like, what are your thoughts about this, Dr. Rika? Yeah, you know, I agree with what you said. Um, a lot of women are uncomfortable to talk about sex. It's not just actually women, it's also men, but more for women, of course, because gender stereotypes or gendered stereotypes dictate that when it comes to sex, women should be passive and submissive, right? It's like they should just let it happen to them. And because we were taught that we're not supposed to be an agent of anything sexual, it's difficult for us to be able to express our sexual selves. Like what you said, there's this negative connotation when it comes to women becoming sexual. And um, that connotation is that we are we are an equivalent of a bad girl or we are seen as a bad girl because there's just two women, right? The good girl and the bad girl. The bad girl, if, if the woman is sexual, then she becomes a bad girl. So there's also this fear of judgment, of being seen as the bad girl or a bad girl. That's why women should just opt to avoid it, avoid becoming sexual. There's also this fear of rejection. Because if you're seen as a bad girl by other people, then you're not good for them. You might be wrong for them. And when you start talking about sex, you can be rejected because people will see you like, oh, no, she's so um, too loud. She's so out there. She shouldn't be talking about that's not how a lady should talk. Right. Right. Dr. Rika, but do you think this also has a lot to do with this? influence that many of us have from religion, whether it's Christianity, Hinduism, the Muslim religion. I mean, there are very strict notions about what sex is for. At least that's how it used to be, right? Sex is about procreation. It's about having children. And then here we are starting to enjoy sex. And that's really something that's happened, I think, in the last, what, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, sex became for pleasure. And so mm-hmm. somehow it became okay for a man to enjoy the pleasure. But for women, it was still a lot of emphasis on virginity and, you know, being, as you said, submissive and passive, especially to her partner. And I think mm-hmm. that the minute we start coming out of that and sort of claiming our own right as equal partners in bed in the marriage, I think, you know, the lines get a little blurry and then the whole idea of being a bad woman sort of comes up with that. Do you agree with that, that there's these other influences? Yes. In all honesty, the gender stereotypes, they come from religion. <laughs> and, you know, it's how the patriarchy <laughs> wanted right. to possess women, wanted to control women's bodies because they didn't know how to acknowledge or how to recognize that women can have sex and have offspring that may not be theirs because DNA paternity testing, that's not, we don't know that before, right? They didn't have that before. So to be able to control women's bodies and to make sure that that the offspring that they're carrying is a man's, Men had to find a way to restrict women. Hence that virginity, that religion saying that women cannot be sexual, women cannot enjoy sex. Sex is painful. If you have sex for the first time, you will bleed. It's scary. And um, you will be a disgrace to, to people. 
because of that, they were scared. They were scared of nourishing or nurturing an offspring that may not be theirs. Right. But then, you know, on the mm-hmm. flip side, when there's no proper education for women about sex, you have things like the teenage pregnancy, you know, you have very young women handling children and they're not mature enough or mentally prepared. So I do see that, you know, there has to be a balance. However, I do think that women kind of lost their power somewhere along the way. And sex is one of those areas that we really lost our power. So mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think of that saying, Dr. Rika? You've probably heard mm-hmm. it, sex is power. And we know that for many marriages, many couples, and I'm, I think you can attest to this in, in your own uh, practice, that a lot of women feel that the men have the power in the relationship, not only in the bedroom, but also outside of the bedroom. But, you know, the sex is definitely a big part of it. So what are your thoughts about that? Okay, so as much as I admire Oscar Wilde, I think it's from him, right? That sex is sex is power. I think in this day and age, um, I would rather get out of that saying or stay away from that saying, because sex is such a beautiful thing. It's such a wonderful thing to diminish it to something that's just power. Being used to gain power over another or to see who is more powerful. I don't think sex is that because sex and power go hand in hand. Yes. It is also powerful. Yes. But it isn't just about power. Like what you said a while ago, sex is also about pleasure. It's also about using it as a vehicle for deep emotional connection, right? For for transcendence, for freedom. And in that freedom you get to be in your most vulnerable state. And in those cases, sex becomes a medium for shared power or shared powerlessness. Does it make sense? Because when we start believing that sex is just about power, you can use it as a tool to put power over someone or to make someone powerless. And it's unfair. I think it's unfair for sex, you know? <laughs> it's unfair. I think, I think what you're saying, Dr. Rika, is that the minute we say sex is power, then it introduces the concept of abuse. Because, you know, with power comes responsibility and not everybody has the same level or idea of responsibility. So what you're saying is that, yes, it could be a kind of power, which is, you know, sort of going into my next question. I wanted to talk to you about sexual energy and the power of Mm -hmm. that. But I think what you're also emphasizing on is that there's so many beautiful things that sex can be. Mm-hmm. I love you know how you talked about it being a meaningful connection, transcendence, freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all connected to spirituality and really our positive well-being. So I do want to get into that. But let's talk a little bit about sexual energy. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people feel the need to hide their sexual energy, which I think is a kind of power. Okay, so when mm-hmm. I'm talking about power, I feel like, especially with women, you know, and I've seen this happen in the workplace. So there was a time where men dominated the workplace. And then, you know, obviously more and more women started to take key roles in corporates and organizations. But to fit in with sort of the boys club, women had to act like men. 
they had to dress like men. They had to, you know, they had to behave in a way that was more acceptable to women, uh, to men, excuse me. In fact, I remember there was an article I just read recently. There's this, you know, actually this thing happening on social media with how um, there's a man in Japan, right? I don't know if you caught this. And it has to do with like the Olympics. And he was talking about how he doesn't like having women in management because they talk too much. So it's like a lot of qualities of being a woman in the workplace are not appreciated by men. And it's still happening today, right? Yeah. You know, women are too emotional. Women are too mm-hmm. um, indecisive. And so it was kind of like a standard that to fit in and to be accepted in the work world, women had to behave like men. But I think there's a change and women are starting to realize that their sexuality is a strength, you know, their ability mm-hmm. to to be emotionally more open, more considerate has allowed them to make better decisions. And we see that with how some women, female leaders have made decisions during the pandemic that have actually helped their countries in, in ways that put male leaders perhaps to shame. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know, I don't think it's only about gender, but it, there is a factor there. So Dr. What do you think of that, that women should be embracing their sexuality and that should be the power that allows them to make better decisions, be, you know, of greater impact to society and so on? Mm, I think that's a very, very, very good point because women are great. Women are fabulous. and um, We are. We I, are yeah, totally I, fabulous. So it's a shame for us to be to hide under our womanhood. It's basically just, you know, if you put it out there, the world will be such a greater place. <laughs> but, you know, like what you said a while ago, it resonated with me because, believe it or not, in this industry or in everything that I do, I am surrounded by men. In my shows, my co-hosts are men. In my businesses, my um, partners are all men. <laughs> And sometimes, like what you said, I still get scared on what they would say about me, how they would judge me. I still get those instances because they do. If they do, right? We can't avoid that. They do. They they say that, like what you said a while ago, you said there's this man in Japan who said he doesn't want to be with him because they talk too much. I remember two weeks ago, one of my business partners told me, why do you have to make all those jokes? You know, when I was just being myself and I, I, I told him because I wanted to. But there was this whole, there was this whole notion that, you know, this is a business meeting. Just say what's needed to be said. But in my, in my defense and my argument, I was looking at the relationships, making relationships with people. Hence, you have to, you have to make those shows. So you have to be yourself. Right. And whenever they judge me and whenever I, I get that feeling, I, I step back a bit and I tell myself, damn, you're Rico Cruz, right? You're Rico Cruz. You're a woman. You were able to become Rico Cruz because of who you are as a woman. And when I say that, it means I got pregnant out of wedlock when I was young. And in that process, I was able to graduate school. I finished school. I found work. I went through a divorce and become a single parent while studying and working eight jobs. 
to make ends meet. I had my second baby at the time that I was doing my doctorate and I had to carry a newborn, <laughs> drive my eldest to school, work, teach, do 10,000 cartwheels and push-ups all at the same time to make it work. And I did. And I attribute that to me being a woman. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so whenever I feel that they're going to judge me because of who I am and because of what I do and because I'm a woman, I just tell myself, screw them <laughs> and just and move you know forward. <laughs> and, and you know what? I agree with you. Screw them sometimes and move forward. But it must not be easy sometimes, Dr. Rika. And, no, not at know, all. And I know there's a lot of women who have very similar things to say that even on social media, they get judged for, you know, what they're wearing, what they're saying, how they're portraying themselves. And I, you know, I follow you on social media and you are very clearly comfortable with your sexuality. You know, it's very, it's very beautiful to see, but I can oh, also, under- I can also understand that there are people who are critics of that, you know, and oh, being yes. a woman, being a woman, being someone who's a sex therapist, I mean, this is not a common job, not here in the Philippines. I mean, in the U.S., it's just a lot more acceptable. But I would imagine here, it's a bit, it's it's not as easily um, digested accepted. or accepted, perhaps. So what has been mm-hmm. your experience specialized in the area that you have chosen? And, you know, what what is your experience with all of this, <laughs> I just had like, hmm. um, yeah. When I first started, com- you know, I became a sex therapist because I love sex. Right, that's that's one. And uh, um, the driving force behind that was because I was having problems with my ex-husband in sex, and I was we weren't having sex. I was like, what? No, this shouldn't be happening. So. I did my research, I studied, I went abroad, I did my training, etc. etc. And came back here. During that time, I did my training in Canada. And I told Tony, I'll just stay here because it's easier to be a sex therapist here. Because I did my training there, it's accepted, blah 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 blah. And then he told me, No, you're needed back home. You know, Tony, right? And I said, Oh, I went like that. <laughs> Because there was a part of me that didn't want to go through it. Because when I first started coming out with the boys, people were just hurling judgments at me left and right. I would get indecent proposals from 30 old men asking me how much I am. I would get comments from women telling me that, what? Why are you doing that? And other women who would say, oh, you just know theory. You have no experience. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. And I would also judge myself so much. Like I felt so judged and I felt so little when I first started. And I felt so dirty because even my marriage didn't survive it. Right, because of like, I I can say that a big part of our separating my first marriage was because of what I do was because I started coming out as a sex therapist, talking about sex with other men, 
And because of that, a lot of men started gravitating towards me. Rude men, respectful men, I don't know. So it was difficult, really difficult. So now that I see that people are starting to talk about sex and women are more forward, are more open, I'm just like, ah, this is so fun to see. This is so amazing. This is, I don't know, I feel happy. I feel warm inside. I feel warm inside. Though, of course, there's still a lot of work to do because the people, the women who talk about sex are the educated women. The women in our stature, right? The women who have the capacity to experience other cultures, capacity to travel, to cap- the capacity to have an open mind. But when you go to the rural areas and you talk to these people, you were talking about teenage pregnancies a while ago, you talk to these people about sex, it's still different. And they're the ones that need education. So there's right. still a lot of work to do. I agree. I agree completely. But why do you think, Dr. Rika, there's so much shame associated with sex, especially for women? I mean, you mentioned it yourself. You know, when you started to talk about sex with other men, when you came out as a sex therapist, you felt judged. You felt, you know, you were being propositioned by different men because I think they they couldn't understand that being a sex therapist is a professional job. It's not a, you know, you, you weren't actually, um, you know, proclaiming yourself as available for, you know, innuendos or propositions. <laughs> but so, you know, what is it? Because for me, I think that this has a lot to do with our self-esteem. And when we have difficulty and we we judge ourselves about our sexuality, and we feel attacked in any way or unsafe in any way. I mean, we're really talking about well-being at this point, right? Oh, yes. It's it's mm-hmm. sex and it's well-being. And how mm-hmm. can we express ourselves as sexual beings if uh, we don't feel safe in doing safe. so? And that's the mm-hmm. question, right? It's really about safety. You didn't feel safe at that time coming out as a sex therapist. And it's still not very safe for you to truly be yourself. Because as you mentioned, even now you get comments about, you know, how you are as a woman. So Mm -hmm. what what is going on here, you know? But to be fair, but to be fair, um, the comments have subsided. And at this point, I guess it's because of the experience as well and how I grew in that process that I can say that I feel actually super safe within myself and my sexuality that I don't really care what they what they throw throw at me if ever there's still some I just ignore it (laughs) but it's difficult to get to that to that point and I'm I'm just me I'm me because people now respect me because of what I do but what about other women right what about what about those that you know they just really want to express themselves it's still it's still not safe and it's sad uh, it's sad because like what you said it, it becomes an issue of safety and for women to be able to express themselves freely there has to be a safe space and at this point it's difficult to find that safe space outside so what should they do they should look for that safe space within right that's what I did. 
I believed in myself so much that I'm like, dude, that was such hard work that you went through. So why shouldn't you be proud of that? Does does it have to be so difficult, Dr. Rika? I mean, you've already done it. You've had a tough, yeah, you know, you've had a tough time kind of getting to this place where you are. You've earned it. But what advice can you give other women who are facing similar challenges? You know, I, I love what you said, go within. That's really something I truly believe in. I definitely agree that we have to learn to believe in ourselves more and get to the point where what anyone says doesn't matter and you have so much trust in yourself that you can flaunt who you are and still feel safe, right? So what advice will you give other women who are starting to explore their sexuality, starting to be more vocal about it, and starting to be more comfortable in their own skin? How can they make that journey easier? Ah, easier would be to just really believe in themselves. Because contrary to popular beliefs, you know, I did a five-year study, four-year study on the sexual pressure of the Filipino women. I made two theories on how Filipino women can achieve and express their sexual pleasure. And until now, all I could think of is how complex and how wonderful Filipino women get to express their sexual selves, like when they when they finally decide to become a renewed sexual woman. In my theory, I call it the renewed sexual woman. And like contrary to popular beliefs, Filipino women really have that ability to manifest and practice their sexual agencies by making sure that they get the pleasure they deserve. And I really believe that if women just know that they can do it and that other women do it, they won't be so ashamed of expressing that sexual side. Because they feel that they're all they're, they're, they're alone if we don't talk about it, right? If, yeah. if not a lot of women come out and say, you know what, it's okay. They feel like, oh, why do I have this sexual side? This must be bad. I feel guilty. No, you're not alone. It's normal. It's natural. And right. you have it for a reason. You have it because it's you. It's what makes you you. It's a big part of you. Right? Am I making sense? You're making perfect sense. And, you know, as you're talking, Dr. Rika, there are thoughts running through my mind about, mm -hmm. you know, different things that are going on in this space. And so one of the things I was thinking about is one thing I've noticed about um, Filipino women is that perhaps the idea of sexuality may not be well understood. Um, so I want to clarify, you know, that we're not really talking about getting on social media, posing, you know, with no clothes on, oh, or, no. you know, we're not talking about that overt sexuality that I need to show the world that I'm a sexual being by, you know, physically sort of, Although there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying that this, I almost think the amount of expression on social media is signifying how repressed they really feel inside. Do you agree with that? You know, like as if they can't express how they truly feel sexually. And so 
as a way of compensating or correcting, they are almost kind of on social media, perhaps trying to uh, invite. Compensate. Mm -hmm. Yes, or invite attention for something that's inside. Do you get what I mean, Dr. Rika? There are two um, views on that. First is like what you said, that because um, they can't express it honestly and properly, they, they try to find other ways. So it's like reaction formation or displacement, right? They, they try to find other ways that's more acceptable for other people so they can get attention. That's, right. one, that's one view. And also, Dr. Mm-hmm. Rika, with that, I think they play into the stereotypes. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I see that in social media that a lot of women play into those very stereotypes that they're trying to run away from or walk away from. Um, and, and so they are seen as sexual objects instead of sexual women with you know this energy that that says a lot about how much confidence they have in themselves, how much trust they have in themselves. So it's, it's like coming out in a way that's not uh, perhaps healthy. Okay, let's take two steps back a bit because this is such a controversial topic. There are two views on it, like what I said. First is that, that when you express yourself in, in such a way that um, you're sexual in social media, then you are perpetuating that gender gender stereotype. You're still reinforcing that male gaze, they say, because right. you want the attention. Now, other people do it for that. That's one view, right? That's why other people say that you shouldn't be doing that. You should still be a woman, whatever that means. It's one view. Another view would be, I'm a woman. I have my sexual agency. So I will post whatever I want, regardless of how others see me. Regardless of how men would still think that women are passive and sexual and sexual objects and whatever. This view, this view honors a woman's sexual agency. Yes, agreed. The other view still honors a woman's sexual agency, but there's judgment in it that, hey, you're doing it to get attention. Now, how will you, how do you combine the two views or what should you do? Which view should you be in? Correct. I just, I just really step back and say it, it, it's, Whatever your intention is, if in you, you feel that, okay, I'm going to post this because I need attention. I need money, sex sells, whatever, whatever. And I want my ex to, to, uh, notice me. <laughs> I want my ex to notice me and, um, I want more men to find me, whatever. And it's toxic to your mental health. Right. Then you're subscribing to this first. argument yes and that is if that is precisely dr rika what i wanted to point out as detrimental at the end of it to not only um the 
you know, the plight of women today who are trying to break out of that, but it's also detrimental to our mental health. Yes. So it, right? it really comes down to your intention and you have to be aware of yourself. It's it's all about knowing yourself. Like, what do you really want? What is What is going on with you? Why do you need social media? Why do you need to do this and that and do this? It comes back to your intention. Now, if your intention is just really to be proud of yourself, right? To own yourself. It's like, this is who I am. Right. I'm happy wherever I am. Then go for it. Right. And, you know, there's so many ways, Dr. Rika, of celebrating the, the female body. There is mm-hmm. that kind of like, you know, and you see it. You know, there's some people who really... Um, you can see in the energy of the images. It's like, look, I, I, I respect my body. You know, my body is beautiful and it comes across, you know, clearly. And then you can also see the kind of images of like women breastfeeding or women, you know, who are birthing and they, they have images like that. And to me, those are very powerful images. They're not shameful. They don't, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they don't call or warrant any judgment. And I think that, those kind of images are very empowering for women. But I do also see sometimes that the intention also comes through the image and you can see what a person is, you know, trying to convey. And, you know, it says a lot about how we are all at different points of our own journeys. And again, no judgment, I really want to take a step back from that because I've been through my own journey. I understand it completely. I work with women on this. And I just think it's something we could be more aware of. Perhaps if we talk about this, then women will start to look inward and examine their motivations, their intentions, and make sure they're a little bit more aligned. And I think that would uplift Mm -hmm. other women and give them the support that they're looking for. Yeah, I, I think it also ties in with the sexual energy that we were talking about a while ago. Because if you own your sexual energy and you use it in such a way that it's positive for you, it's positive for you and positive for other people, not just positive for you because you're exuding negative energy um, for other people. Does it make sense? Yes. Then it will come across those photos or whatever you say, whatever, what, whatever you communicate, you don't even have to say words. It's your nonverbals. So it's that sexual energy that you feel. Cause if the sexual energy is on the negative side, meaning it has negative effects on you as a person, and it may also have negative effects on other people, you will also feel it. Yeah. Cause that's what it exudes. Right. Right. I believe in that. I believe in that. I think maybe we have too much emphasis on looking for the safety outside of us. Maybe we we are asking for it from from men or we're asking from it from the patriarchy, you know, the the environment, the community, when in fact we need to focus on creating that sense of safety within ourselves. Make sure it's aligned with our intentions of how we want to express ourselves, And I think that in itself might make it easier on us to be who we truly are and to feel safe in doing so. Yeah, I believe so too. But it doesn't 
discount the fact that the system is, for lack of a better term, it's mm, it's shitty, right? <laughs> this whole <laughs> patriarchal system, this whole how society is working, it, it still has that negative effect. I agree. But I also think, Dr. Rika, on that front, right, I do think we've allowed it for so long. We've mm-hmm. perpetuated it. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're mm-hmm. almost, to some degree, guilty of, of yeah. that system ourselves. You know, it's not really one-sided. But, you know, change can be uncomfortable. And so it's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people as they are going through this period of, finding a little bit more balance among gender, you know, women speaking up and finally saying, this is what I want, yeah. this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's something we have to all take responsibility for. You know, men, yes. women, religion. Everyone, everyone. Everyone, you know. And speaking this, of safety, I we were talking about the society, right? That the society is the shitty and, and the in that space, there's like sexual assault, sexual harassment, happens to all women, most women, fine. And the key to avoid that is to find safety in yourselves and report if something happens. Right. Does it make sense? So that's yes. the change that we need that we need to we need to happen. To protect ourselves, we have to report. So we have to express, we have to say something. That something sexual that we were sexually violated, right? And we were, we were, we didn't feel comfortable, so that the society will change, right? So and that's it what, goes hand in hand. It's a dance, I feel. <laughs> but that's what Dr. Rika, the Me Too movement was, right? Mm-hmm, it was women mm-hmm. standing up and saying, "No, this is not okay. I have mm-hmm. boundaries now. I need to be respected." And I will tell on you if you do this, you know. So there was kind mm-hmm, of an accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, people, mm-hmm. women were starting to make other people accountable. Not only society, the law, men, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people in positions of authority. We finally said you need to be more responsible and accountable. And that was on us. We had to do that. Yes. Yes, right. we ha- we had to make our own safety so that people will see or like you know, other people will see that what's been going on for so long is not normal, it's not right. The thing is, a lot of people here think that because it's been done before, it's normal, it's whatever, it's what's right. But no, it isn't. But then again, like what they said, there's still a lot of women here who are scared yes. to report because we're scared to talk about sex so it's really going out there we don't have to be loud we don't have to be ah sex go ahead and have fun and have sex no we don't have to be that it's more on accepting who we are accepting that we're sexual beings that's that's number one yes being able to say that you know what yeah sex is good sex is supposed to be good or if it's not good for you oh no i'm not i'm not having fun what should i do so it's owning that. It's not just letting other people come into your body or share you share your body with someone else and then you're not enjoying it. So it's more of that. It's accepting that, hey, I'm a sexual person and hey, I deserve good sex. I deserve pleasure. And hey, 
I can do it. I know I have that agency to get it and to do whatever it is that I want within myself. So Dr. Rika, this brings me to another question I had for you, which is about sexual compatibility. And I think this is sort of a not really understood idea or concept for many women, um, Mm -hmm. for many people in relationships that are intimate. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand sexual compatibility. I think that people don't know that they deserve sexual compatibility and that this is something that you can get help on because a lot of people's like personal sexual issues or issues that they may have with somebody else with regard to sex or intimacy has a lot to do with issues that they're carrying from childhood. I can't tell you how many people, and I've, I've mentioned it on the show before, how many people I have worked with who have been sexually abused by Mm -hmm. relatives Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of very common here. It's that's very common actually, in Asia. Uh, yeah, that's um, when when people are raped or abused. It's usually pe- uh, by someone who they're close with, Correct. or they're close to. And here, Bad. because here, like India, actually, is very similar because families live together. Generations live together. It's joint families. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your cousin mm-hmm. lives with you. Your tita lives with you. Your you know, everyone's kind of together. I feel like there is more of a condition, situation created mm-hmm. where these kind of things happen to young women quite a bit and mm-hmm. young men. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so these people grow up to have a lot of issues, issues. intimacy and trust. And sex is about trust, right? Oh, so yes. when, you have, yes. when you have a lot of trust issues, then it's going to make the sexual compatibility a little bit more challenging because of all these other issues. Mm-hmm. So based on your experience in working with couples, uh, marital mm-hmm. relationships and so on, is mm-hmm. this something you see, you know, how do you work with this? And, um, you know, what can you say to our listeners who might be going through this kind of situation in their own life? It's um, quite difficult to address that because we still value the concept of not um, having sex before marriage, right? So when you don't have sex before marriage, with so the time that you get married, that's the only time that you discover, oh, no, wait, we're not sexually compatible. And because of that, they would think, because they don't know the notion that, hey, you know, you can work on it if you want to, they would think, oh, no, I'm stuck with this person. Is this what sex is like? Because they don't have any other experiences yeah, to compare to it. Is this what sex is like? Oh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. Hands, they don't have sex. And problems happen, right? I'm a firm believer of this whole thing that if you have great sex, or if you have good sex, if you have that kind of of sexual relationship as partners, then your relationship will be great as well. Your relationship will be healthy as well because it's core. That's the only thing that you can give one another that you won't be able to give other people. Love you can, right? Respect you can. But sex, you're basically sharing your body with each other. And 
of course you don't want to share it with other people. So it has to be great. That's that's the core of your intimacy. Because it happens there, your emotional connection, your vulnerability. Like what they said a while ago, there's transcendence where you feel that you're not part of this world anymore. You're you're being, how do I explain it? You're, you're being caressed or nurtured. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> for people who are listening to the podcast, my hands are just going like, yeah. um, mold in my head into into one into one being and it's not just the physical aspect of it it's the emotional it's the spiritual it's a mental everything about the both of you you're sharing if you're having that kind of sex right it doesn't have to be like that all the time (laughs) but because you share it with your partner then it has to be okay it has to be good or good enough for the both of you. Hence, sexual compatibility should be looked at before you get married or right after you get married. So right. you can work on it, right? If, if you're um, the kind of person who values not having sex before marriage, right after, go for it. See how you guys are. And if you feel that you're not okay, then look for help. Right. Talk about it. It, right. it can be it can be fixed because what happens like with the with the couples I worked with they they let it pass for seven years nine years 14 years and it gets more difficult to change because they're so used to what's going on between the two of them and a lot of things happen in between there's infidelity there's resentment low self-esteem rejection and of course we want to avoid that right you know I- I I see a lot of that in my sessions with my clients as well, you know, infidelity, rejection, feeling ashamed, um, self-esteem issues. And it comes often from situations, as you have related, where the couple can't seem to communicate with each other about what they need, what they want to achieve that compatibility, or they don't think it's possible to improve it or to get help. And so what Mm -hmm. I'm getting... From you is, number one, it's very important to understand there is such a thing called sexual compatibility. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Number two, this is something we can get help. Okay. And it it could be something that's personal to one individual. It could be something that's done through couples therapy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think there are many ways to go about it. Um, But Mm -hmm. it is important to address that this is important. You know, this is something that is very valuable in a marriage or in a partnership between two people. And I think the third thing that you said um, is that don't let this kind of get hidden under the rug. You know, don't ignore this because a decade will pass and it's going to result in other issues. And by then it has snowballed into something much worse than um, it could have been had we sort of paid attention to it and dealt with it earlier on. Early on, yeah, earlier on. So, but it, it, it's something. It's something that we need to tell people. Something right. that we need to talk about. Sexual compatibility. They say, you know, I do. I do sex research, and. Um, uh, one researcher actually said that sexual compatibility, sexual compatibility and sexual satisfaction, they're the barometers of the relationship. They're, 
they're the key. So even Esther Perel said that if you want, um, if something is going on with the relationship, something negative, you change the sex in the relationship, and then you will see a good change in um, the partnership or how they deal with one another. I'm also a firm believer of when people have good sex, they will be happier. And because they're happier, we'll have a better world. <laughs> so so changing people through sex, one person at a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, through good sex. Because good right. sex is different. Right? Sex is different from good sex. But if people are having good sex, oh, because it, it, it amounts to connection. It amounts to how we, we um, relate to one another. I really feel that we'll have a, a better world because you know we get to respect one another we get to see um how to trust other people we get to see how to trust ourselves right and, and so I, I, on i agree with you also dr rika because sex can be a therapeutic tool for a lot of things right for example if you have a lot of excess energy if there's stress, it's a good stress buster. It's a good way of just releasing, you know, energy as well. And I think that if we have it as an outlet, because sometimes sex is meaningful connection. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. intimacy or sharing with someone else. And sometimes it's just release. Yeah. Right. It's just, yes. Mm -hmm. Release. I mean, there are various Mm -hmm. roles that sex plays in our life. And I think that when we can allow sex to be a tool, it's going to help us in so many ways. Okay. So this brings me, Dr. Rika, to another question I had for you. So I, I believe through my own practice, through a lot of things I've read, um, as you know, I'm a healer, I'm a well-being coach, but I do believe that there is a lot in common between sex and spirituality. In a sense that when we are meditating, we're looking for connection with the universe, with God, you know, with the creator. And in sex, we're looking to connect with our partner through, let's say, meditation, which is a spiritual practice. We are looking to release ourselves from sort of the attachments and kind of go beyond. You talked about transcendence. You talked about freedom. Right. And that's really what we're looking for if we look at it from a spiritual perspective. And in the same way with sex, we're also looking for the very same things. So what do you think of this connection between sex and spirituality? Like, do you also acknowledge or believe in this? What are your thoughts? Of course, I do. Like what I said a while ago, sex is about um, emotional connection, spiritual connection. Um, in, in, in my study of um, sexual pleasure, optimal sexual pleasure happens when there's transcendence, right? There's freedom. There's, there's giving up of that, of that spiritual side. And even before that, sex is about desires, your wants, your needs, your pleasure. And that's your soul, Right? It's not just your body, your wants, your desires, your needs. It's your soul talking to you. So sex is sex is your mind, body, and soul all in one, which has that spiritual side that you were talking about. 
Hey, beautiful people. Before we head on to the rest of the episode, I'm sure some of you are wondering how we collab with brands here in Project Loving Myself. And for that, we use Podmetrics. So if you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code Project Loving Myself. That's one word, capital P, capital L, capital M. And in that way, you can help support my show as well. And if you are an advertiser who wants to collab with Project Loving Myself, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Again, that's Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. So as a couples and relationships therapist, do you see as well that the client's mental health okay has a lot to do with the challenges that they're having in the area of sex so how does now our mental well-being tie into our inclinations our desires our need to to seek that freedom mhm okay so Yes, like what what would be said, our mental health or mental well-being is tied with sex, especially if we're not getting the sex that we want or we're not getting um the sex that we desire from our partners. The a while ago I told you um sexual compatibility is key and if you're not if you don't have that it can lead to resentment, anger, even depression rejection feelings of rejection low self esteem trying to compensate from other people so it can lead to a lot of things that could be toxic to your mental health and mental well-being if we're having good sex then we'll be we'll be happier we'll be better and we'll have a better world <laughs> so the the solution is we have to have good sex to oh, keep yeah. to keep our mental balance as well but you know i mean even though we're we're kind of like you know laughing about it but it's very true i do think i do think that it goes both ways when our mental health is not where it should be then it definitely affects our ability to have a healthy sexual relationship with our partners. And I think when there are issues in the sexual compatibility, that affects our mental well-being and mental sort of health issues. And so both areas need to be addressed and balanced because I do know, you know, again, this is from my own experience, but for example, when you're pregnant or when you've just given birth or when there's a lot of things going on at work you know it does affect the sort of sexual inclination yes of course your your right? drive your urge yes so you and, have to honor that right and that's why like my husband and i like every now and then we're like we need to take a holiday we need to get away from you know our regular life turn our phones off you know get away from um responsibilities even for a weekend because i think it really helps our marriage it helps our relationship and we love our children you know we do of course as as do all our parent all parents but we do need to see ourselves see each other 
as, you know, partners. As a couple. Yeah, as a, as couple, a couple. And not just, you know, the mother and father of our children, you know. Yeah, so, without the crying kids in the background. <laughs> right. And, right. And I think that's part of mental well-being, but it's also part of what every marriage needs to make sure that sexual compatibility is safeguarded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the term that you use, like safeguarded, because you have to protect your relationship. You have to protect your marriage. And it doesn't just happen like magic. Right. There should be work done. And this work should be done by the both of you. Like you, you know, <laughs> when they ease the, uh, when they ease the um, uh, quarantine or the lockdown, I found myself in like me and my partner. In Punta Fuego, at the yeah. farm, twice in Baracay, and recently in El Nido because it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get out of here. And it's very important. In in my marriage, now we have a rule that we really have to take um, vacations, just the two of us, at least twice or thrice a year. Yeah. Away from the house, away from away from the city. And it's just the two of us. Doesn't have to be with the kids because we also have another trip with the kids in the line. Right. And that's how so, we protect our relationship. So, Dr. Rika, as a woman, what do you do for your mental well being? What do you do to make sure you are in that space where you are also making sure? Um, the relationship with your partner, the sexual um, nature of your relationship is also um, addressed, taken care of, nurtured as much as you are nurturing yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, and so on. So what are the practices that you do or what are the tips that you have for our listeners based on your experience? (laughs) Okay. Practices, if it's about daily practices, um, I have two kids, a 10-year-old, you can hear one now, (laughs) a two-year-old crying, the 10-year-old is going through puberty, the two-year-old is going through terrific and sometimes annoying tantrums, you know, that thing. (laughs) So I also have a daily TV show, live TV show daily, and I see two to three clients a day. So I make it the point that I spend time with myself in my bathtub at the end of the day. <laughs> like that's a must for me. I, I need I need my quiet time in my tub. And uh, um, also um, at night, I play with my children and I cuddle with my husband because I love it. Emma, my love language is touch. Well, obviously, right? I'm t- talking about sex. <laughs> my love language, is, <laughs> lo- love language is touch. So um, I really cuddle with my husband and it feels so warm inside that that's one thing i do another thing is that not a lot of people know but i am uh what do you call that uh do you know mindfulness behavioral cognitive therapy yes so i'm a certified uh, mbct trainer okay. and i practice for my own sanity just for my own sanity. And I also fly whenever I want to. I go different places whenever I meditate. I also make sure that I get at least five minutes of walking around outside because I'm the kind of person who can't be stuck at home. 
there. Aside from having um, my nightcap every night, <laughs> my wine or my scotch at night when I really feel that I need it. Th- those are the things that I do. <laughs> so, first of all, I was uh, quite surprised to find out that you're doing uh, mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy that's amazing mm-hmm. and also the meditation and even being in the bathtub dr rika is a form of meditation because water is a good conductor of oh, yeah. um, psychic energy of spiritual energy so amazing and i do i do uh, identify with a lot of things that you mentioned i do some of the similar things my glass of wine before i was pregnant was definitely something that helped me uh you know, enjoy my weekends and so on. Uh But um, I do think it's very important to take care of ourselves so that we are better partners, you know, in our relationships as well. Now, um, Dr. Vika, what would be your project loving myself mantra or message to our listeners? So this show is really about self-love. And today we've spent a lot of time talking about sex and how sex is connected to self-love, the, the, you know, the impact our sexuality has on us as women, as a community, as a uh, gender. So to end our episode today, what would you say to all our listeners? How do they make sure that sex is something that they, maybe they make it sacred and important to themselves while still loving themselves in the bargain? What would you say to them? Maybe I can share. Um, I had to think about it while you were you, you were um, saying it. And um, top of mind, what I had is like to share what I do when things get tough. I tell myself um, two things, maybe. That's the mantra. It's when things get tough, I tell myself, trust and surrender. That's one. It's just paulet ulet, trust and surrender, trust and surrender, trust and surrender. And then when I feel good, naman, I share energies of three things, love, peace, and abundance. I do that all the time. And when I, when I feel neutral, I disconnect. I'm like, oh, brain cells off. <laughs> so those are the three things that I do. And if you're going to ask me for a message for people and for women, uh, most especially who listen to your podcast, I would say that loving yourself entails you owning your desire and owning your pleasure. So don't be afraid to own your desire and own your pleasure because it's what makes you you. And you're a wonderful, fabulous, you know, sexy woman (laughs) that has that energy. It should be shared to the world. Wow, I love that. Loving yourself entails owning your desires and your pleasures, right? So owning our sexuality. Wow. That was a really loaded statement. And I think that was very beautiful. So thank you so much for, for this entire conversation, Dr. Rika. I think we talked about some very important issues that are happening in our world today. I know that um, a lot of things that I'm very glad came out on this episode. I think it's very relevant, uh, very interesting for us to to talk about these things out in the open. So 
Dr. Rika, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow you, mm-hmm. you, I know you have a podcast that I would love for you to tell our listeners about and also the socials on how people can reach you and follow you. Oh, okay. Thank you. I do have a podcast. I co-host the podcast with DJ Tony Tony. It's called the Sexy Minds Podcast. And it's totally different to what we had right now. Because there we just, it's unhold, like no holds barred, um, no restrictions. We talk about sex lives of different people from how they learned about sex to how they had their sexual debut and what their best, sexual experiences so it, it's like anything anything and everything sex related so if you want to listen to that it's the sexy minds podcast powered by of course the podcast network asia if you want to follow me you can follow me on my social media it's on twitter and instagram it's at underscore rika cruz and on facebook it's facebook.com slash the sexy mind for inquiries on uh, therapy, on sex therapy and couples therapy, you may email me at dr.ricacruz at gmail.com. So that's dr.ricacruz at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Sanaya. I have so much fun in this conversation. It's so enlightening as well to be able to talk about this to a woman. <laughs> oh my gosh, all my shows. My co-hosts are men. <laughs> well, I, I'm i glad too. Honestly, I didn't know where this conversation would go. Uh, and I'm really, really pleased with what we've covered and everything we have learned from each other. Honestly, it's been, it's been uh, very, very exciting for, for me. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure. And I can't wait. I hope that we get to work with uh, with each other again soon. I know we have a lot of projects that we can do together yes. for women. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you, Dr. Rika. So what are your thoughts about all the topics Dr. Rika and I discussed? I mean, we talked about so many different things. And I think that, you know, this is something that's going to inspire a lot more conversations. So do post on Facebook and Insta stories. And don't forget to tag at Project Loving Myself podcast and at Sanaya Gurnamo. Here is our Project Loving Myself quote for this week. The body can become a vehicle to that which is beyond the body, and sex energy can become a spiritual force. This is by a well-known master, Osho, one of my favorites, actually, and he talked a lot about um, sex and spirituality and sort of sex being one of the roots to the superconscious. He also talked a lot about the practice of Tantra, which is the combination of sexuality with spirituality. And so if you're interested in reading um, any of Osho's books, he wrote one called From Sex to Superconscious, which was a brilliant book, really addressing the concept of sex and spirituality as one. 
Now, um, I do want to remind you about the You Wellbeing Festival. It is a virtual well-being event happening on February 26th to 28th. You can buy tickets on www.youwellbeingfestival.com and tickets will allow you to access uh, three days worth of different um, classes meditations, workshops, panels, storytelling, and really everything to do with mind, body, and energy. I will be presenting there, and I am actually one of the hosts, my healing center, The Third Eye Wellness, together with the Wellness Group. We are hosting this beautiful energy, uh, this event for people to focus on themselves, on you. So I do invite you to join us. Check out youwellbeingfestival.com. You can also follow at you.fest on Instagram and youwellbeingfestival on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Project Loving Myself. This is Sanaya saying, I embrace my desires, my pleasures, and my sexuality on the Project Loving Myself podcast. I want you to say it too. Brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. See you soon. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 